Welcome to the Smart Driving Cars podcast. Thanks for taking the time with us. This edition is sponsored by the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. For more information, head to MOTOETF.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Good morning, Alan. Hey, good morning, everyone. And we're happy to have with us from Sweden once again, Michael Senna, a well-known expert and consultant in mobility and transportation and publisher of The Dispatcher. Great to have you back, Michael. Pleasure to be here again. Thank you, Fred. Hello, Alan. Hi. A new edition of The Dispatcher is out. And Michael, the lead headline is Dealers are the present and future of automobility. Give us the overview. Uh... Where did you buy your first car? <laughs> now it's, I was, I have um, three readers, Glenn Mercer, Sheldon Sandler, and Tom Crosby. Uh, I think you know Glenn and Sheldon very well. Glenn is an independent consultant. He's focused on, the, on car dealerships. He pr- produced the report that I've featured on the front page of the, this month's Dispatcher. Sheldon Sandler, CEO of Bel Air Partners, dealerships or his business. He is, um, they're both readers and they both have provided me with, with lots of, of information over the, over the years. Um, and Sheldon is a good friend of ours too. Yeah. And yes. lives here near Princeton anyway. And has his office in Princeton. Very good. Well, I, I met Sheldon at, at the, at one of the, uh, the symposium, one of the, the, uh, annuals. Um, and, what they what they continue to say was you know here's information about dealers you're not you're not really focusing on that your your focus is primarily on the OEMs what they're doing with with uh, with self driving cars with with electric cars but here's some information and if you ever get around to it you know let us let here's some information for you and the third which was actually the the final uh, incitement for the for putting this in the in the dispatcher was my old friend Tom Crosby he was formerly head of of uh, AAA national travel when I worked for as a consultant there and um, he has been for the fast last uh, few years in charge of reviewing and testing new cars for AAA and he said just a couple of months ago he said Mike you've got to talk about dealers so I began as I was writing the other issues I began to, to look into the the whole aspect of dealership both new car dealers and, and uh, used car dealers. And the more I read, the more f- information I, I found and was received from, from Glenn and Sheldon, the more I, f- I felt that really, they're the ones who are gonna control the, the automobile industry, not the OEMs. I mean, when you look at the numbers, you look, and this is not just in the United States, this is everywhere. Um, you look at the numbers of cars that are that are passing through, uh, the new car dealers have both new and old and used cars. They, their their numbers of of are are increasing on the on used cars, particularly now during the period of time when when the sales of new cars were um, were damaged by the um, by COVID by not being able to produce and, and ship new cars. Used cars have have filled the gap. But the other thing that's been happening and it's it's been gradual is that that 
new cars have been getting more and more and more expensive. And now you've got BEVs out there, battery electric vehicles, which are enormously expensive. I mean, to, to buy a Tesla, if you, if you didn't have 50% of the, of the price of the car uh, subsidized by governments, whether it's the U.S. government or, or Sweden or Norway or wherever, or, or China, which, which is providing incentives that, that they finally decided they couldn't afford anymore, um, these are really expensive cars. So people, more and more people, further and further up the age group have been looking at used cars as opposed to, uh, as opposed to new cars. So that's why I decided to focus on it and try, try to, to give my readers who maybe don't think about the used car or new used car uh, dealerships a little bit more meat to, uh, to chew on. The other thing is that, that I also have been feeling that, that with car, the automobile companies trying to move closer to the, to the end customer, either selling direct online or through subscriptions, it's really an end run on the on the on the dealerships. Either trying to get more money out of the cars that they're selling, or doing something else. It's not really clear that that they know exactly what it is they're trying to do. But but it, in the end, it looks very much like they're trying to eliminate the dealerships. And if you look at at what the dealerships have for their for their possibilities, I see this as an opportunity as opposed to a problem for the dealerships because if you know, if, if Volvo decides that it's just going to sell subscriptions or it's just going to sell online, the dealerships are big enough to do something which they haven't done so far, uh, except for Penske back, uh, you know, 30 years ago. When yeah, this, this is a yeah, really yeah. important part of what you, at least I think of what you have in there. So I want to make yeah. sure our listeners listen to this, but go yeah. ahead. I mean, it's not obvious. Go, Michael. Penske, Penske decided that he was going to buy Saturn. Uh, when um, back in 2000, 2009, when, when, when GM went into bankruptcy and was is getting rid of Saturn and, and Hummer and, and Saab. And um, he, was, he, he was very close to, to following through and buying it. What he didn't want to do was produce them. He wanted to, to find someone who would take over the manufacturing of the, of the Saturn. Uh, he would he would just put it into his dealerships and it would be something that that uh, that they would sell. But it in a sense it was it was a dealership getting into the car business, and it fell through because the the, the group in in Korea that was going to to be their manufacturer backed out and decided that they wouldn't they didn't want to do this and it sort of fell through. And then nothing else has happened since then. There have been no other dealerships that have gone into this and, or potentially decided to go into this business. But I'm sure they're all looking around that right now and they're, and they're seeing these little companies that have come from nowhere, like Rivian, for example, or, or a number of these Chinese companies who've suddenly, they're in the business. And, and Tesla, of course, is one of these. They just kind of showed up. We've got a skateboard. We're going into business. And now they're, you know, worth 300, I don't know what it is, $300 billion. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous, but it's yes, that's, that's where they are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that number is also in terms of a multiple of what Toyota and a many multiple of what Ford and, and Daimler and GM are worth, it makes, makes that number even bigger, right? Exactly. So, uh, yeah, and I think it's, it's, a, it's a very good time right now for the for the dealerships both the the franchise which are new and used 
uh, car dealership as well as the the independent used car dealerships to say look we we have the possibility of doing exactly what these little companies are doing we've got scale and and the the, the main thing that they have that none of these companies has is a is a way to the market yeah they have they've a got, connection to the customer i mean they've got they're, everything they're, they're, they they have the end buyer they have that exactly. connection right which exactly. is the key one right yeah. and th this is the main problem that tesla has had you know they can manufacture their cars they can they but they can't they have really had difficulty delivering the cars to the because they don't have a dealership they don't have the the kind of infrastructure in place and then they've got they've got to finance all of their, their repair shops because nobody's going to take their repair of Tesla's because Tesla won't allow it. I mean, they're, they, they put in their own repair shops and there are too few of them. So they've got to tow these cars to, you know, long distances in order to get them to their to the market. Yeah, but the, the, I said, my, sorry, uh, yeah. Michael, the, the, yep. to me, the really interesting piece that, that, that I think you bring out very well is is sort of the, the in-house brand that maybe Penske could have created with yep. the Saturn, having it manufactured by somebody, whether or not he's going to call it Saturn or something else, he puts maybe he calls it Penske or maybe you know yep. it's it's you know if I go to Shoprom, Shoprite, Shoprom, you know there's a Shoprom <laughs> brand. Yep. I just noticed that they changed it from Shoprom and they put some you know. A basket and some other, you know, flowery name on their brand because yeah. I don't know. Maybe they didn't think that their local brand is good enough. But it, but again, in, in the grocery store, as you point out in the in the newsletter, you know, we have th those folks who are really know how to deal with the customer at the end to to sell things. Yes, you know, basically has has two products. Go ahead, say say some more. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think the the Amazon has done the same thing. Amazon is selling its own products uh, alongside the other products, and you know, great value. Walmart's great value is on the. If I did, I'd, I'd pick Golden's and, and French's mustard. I wouldn't pick Walmart. Walmart's great well, of value. Of course bread. not. I mean, my goodness. I mean, of course we wouldn't. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, how would I? How would I know if it tasted exactly the same way as it did when you know I went to, to Yankee Stadium when it's you know, when watching watching the Yankees? Um, yeah, so, but it's it's clear that more more companies that that have the possibility of doing this are doing it because they they can. You know, it's, if somebody else can manufacture it, it's it's did start with companies you know like Kraft selling part of its its production because it didn't it didn't need all of the production it had. Uh, it's like Walmart selling selling space on its trucks when it's when it's you know it's backhauling. It goes it delivers and then it backhauls and it's making sure, money. Sure. You know, hauling other people's goods. Absolutely. Same it's, thing. It's, it's good business. It's good yeah, business. Exactly. It's it's very productive. It, uh, it it gets economies of scale and so on and so forth. And and one one can very easily justify it all along the chain. But the key is the the having having access to the end customer. I think. Yeah. Yep. And and when you have a, a Penske-like entity that is not just in one little geographic area, but really has coverage uh, 
broad coverage across North America. I don't know whether whether they're in Europe or not, but no, you know, no, uh, but no. but you know, the, that's that's why not? Why Just not? It sounds like a, a real fundamental shift in the business model of dealerships that you're talking about, or is this uh, a sword that they can? hold over the, the, the OEMs, the car makers to say, you know, if you continue on this path, here's what we're going to do. Yeah, I, I, I think so. In the, in the short term, I think it could be a sword, uh, as you said. But I think the more people reflect on this, and, and Glenn, in, in his, his report, super report, I really recommend it highly. Uh, Sheldon's, in, as, you know, a number of, of, if you go into the website, Sheldon's website, they've got you know, ter some terrific articles and they, and they bring out this position that the, the OEM, OEMs are maybe not in the same position as they were you know, five, 10, the controlling things because people wanted to buy new cars and the more cars, you know, more they are being sold as used cars. And as I said, it's partly because of the, of the cost of the cars, but it's also because the cars that are being produced are are better. You know, they're able to last longer. Um, and you know, you, you buy a car that's five years old. It's it's like buying a car that was two years old a couple of years ago or some some years ago. And then the other thing is that they they can get into the business as these little small companies have shown. They can get into the business because it's less complex. The, the electric battery electric cars are less complex, and they, you can produce them as it's been shown by all of these companies quite easily. You don't, and you can, you can do it yourself. Rivian is now in a, in a deal with, with GM to produce their cars, but you know, Tesla shows that showed that they can start up from nothing with the plot, with the skateboard and eventually produce like 300,000 cars, which they're doing, doing today or close to 500,000 probably this year. And I think their market cap is now over four hundred billion. I think you said three hundred. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. It's, it's like crazy. it's like it's like ridiculous yeah. out yeah. there uh, with them. Um, this also this discussion lets us slip into the Nikola uh, discussion and yeah. what the heck is happening there? And is that just smoke and mirrors, whatever, and so on? And maybe it is just smoke and mirrors. Maybe maybe they are the first rebranders of GM cars out there to yeah. put them on or trucks or whatever. And uh, what the hell? Maybe you know, maybe. It, but is it the valuation? Whatever comment or yeah. plus, there's lots been happening with that sucker lately. I I wasn't happy when I saw that. Um, I'm not a fan of electric cars, but I am a fan of, of um, um, fuel cells. I think that, and, and I, I wrote a, it was about a year ago, and I wrote a, a, a piece in uh, the dispatcher, of, you know, Nicola got, has gotten the memo. Um, their, their approach was, and is still is, that they're building fuel cell cars. But in addition to that, they're doing what Tesla did, which was to create the infrastructure to fuel the fuel cell cars. So that, and this I think is one of the main reasons that that uh, General Motors has had decided to work with them. That they have technology that's 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 different. I mean, they're doing battery electric vehicles, but they're also doing fuel cells. And you know, 
I don't think the, the, the automotive industry is giving up on fuel cells because it's just too obvious that they are better than battery electric vehicles for a number of reasons. And I've written about this. I know I've got a lot of folks who don't agree with me on this, but, but you know, I, it, it would be nice to have that discussion with them. Um, so, I, you know, if, if, they, if they are a house of cards, if they really have done what, what it's, it sounds like uh, there's the short sellers are saying that they've done, then it's, it's, it's too bad. It really is a, is a problem that shouldn't have happened because, I mean, I think GM has done well to hook up with them. I think it's, a, I mean, if, if the, everything that they're doing really is true, then I think it's a good deal with, for GM to be working with them. If it's not, then they've they shot themselves in the foot. Well, let's move on from Nicola on yeah. that, but let's get back to the the um, the fuel cells. I mean, I think you've pointed out, others have pointed out that one of the things that Tesla's done well is they built uh, the the charging network out there to deal with the range anxiety from from one being what can I charge at home to actually I can tiptoe out there in the, in the world and get yep. recharged and get the hell back home. I mean, yep. when you look at it, that that's really the fundamental and they may not have gotten quite enough credit for, for that insight, but that that's sort of a fundamental insight they put out there. Otherwise yep. it's just a toy that you can just, you know, you tiptoe out of your, out of your house and then come right back because you're afraid, afraid of not being able to get back. If, you, if one looks at the at, at then the, the fuel cells, one needs a different charging network, okay? Yeah. Because it's different, yeah. okay? It's almost like, like uh, you know, the initial electrification. Is it going to be AC or DC? You have Westinghouse going out there, and you have Edison going out there. You know, they're they're orthogonal, man. They're out they're out there competing like hell, trying to you know convince which one. Is is this what's going to evolve in this thing? And in the end, what we get, we got one. I mean, I guess. Westinghouse lost and Edison won, or I, I don't yeah. know, I'm, you know. If, if you take that kind of model, uh, Alan and Michael, mm. tell me, Michael, what your thoughts are about how this shakes out, because you know, Tesla's got its battery day next week. Uh, I talked to a company, uh, just did an interview with a, a company that's working on battery technology. They're, they're working with the University of Texas. They're talking about a, a thousand mile range battery within five years. And all of these manufacturers now coming out with electric vehicles and saying that's what they're making. How, yeah. do, how does the fuel cell win? Uh, well, it's not maybe a, we, yeah, it's I mean, not, this, this is maybe, the, this, this yeah. is a, these are really deep questions because if, yeah. you, if they do go back and look and end up being like Westinghouse and Edison, you know, at, at that Thing. I mean, that, yeah. that's major. I mean, that's non, that's non-trivial, non, totally non-trivial, right? But, but, okay, <laughs> but let's, let's, let's just look at where we are today. If you own a car and you live in a house, you can charge your car at home. You can have your Wi-Fi set up at your home. If you don't live in a house, if you live in a place like where we are right now in the middle of Stockholm, you can't do that. 
So you're, who you're, wants to live in a place like you live in? No, no, go ahead. <laughs> sorry to jump. No, sorry. Go ahead. It's, it's, yes, it, it, absolutely. Yes. Right. So you, so you, you cut out a whole whole group of folks. And if if you want to have a, a, a garage space in Stockholm, it's going to cost you three or four hundred dollars a month uh, to do that. Plus, then you would have the cost of of of, uh, of charging your car. If if you look at the the infrastructure is already in place, you know I remember before we had diesel in the United States. I remember before we had you know before we had non-leaded fuel in the United States. Yes, I'm that old. Um, we have an we have an infrastructure in place for fueling cars. It's a matter of changing that infrastructure so that instead of now we put in ethanol, you know. You can, you, in some places, we, we used to have it in Sweden, and hopefully it'll come back again soon, but you put in ethanol, you put in hydrogen, and you've got, everything is there. All you need to do is put in hydrogen. I mean, I know that sounds like it's, no, it's that, that easy, but it's, but, 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 boom, you know, and what are, and what, what's happening, what's happening right now is that it, in that at a shell station or a gull station or whatever the stations are, you're now seeing electric chargers. What's the difference between putting in all of those, those places where we fuel most of the cars, 90, 98% of the cars on the road or 99% of the cars on the road, putting in hydrogen? Now, no one is stepping up to do that. Nikola said they would. That's what, that's what the, that was the, the, the main feature of Nikola, that they would, they would actually do that. Now, if the government is, is financing the, the purchase through rebates and tax deals, they're, they're financing the purchase of battery electric vehicles. They could do exactly the same thing, use that money to put an infrastructure of hydrogen and let the market pay people pay for the cars and use them. The same is true with, with battery electric vehicles. Instead of pushing battery electric vehicles, they should be paying for the infrastructure and letting the people who can afford them buy them. That's, I mean, that's the way the market should work. But, but Michael, yeah. But Michael, this this was the same problem with automated highways. Okay, we could have had automated highways in the seventies or eighties or nineties. Mm -hmm. All we had to do was build an exclusive automated highway. Mm -hmm. Okay, because then it's easy. Okay, to not crash. But New Jersey DOT wasn't going to build an, an automated highway unless GM was building automated cars. Yeah. And, automate, and GM wasn't going to build an automated car unless New Jersey DOT built an automated highway. Sure. So, you know, so being at the beginning, you know, with respect to hydrogen, yeah. what, what station is going to invest in infrastructure for hydrogen? And there are no hydrogen cars out there yeah well there are, plenty, uh, yeah. there are plenty of car companies and plenty there are three or four car companies right now that are building hydrogen cars and they're really good cars they're terrific yeah, but, cars. The, but the, the numbers are like you know like 12 yeah but look at what you know when tesla was building and selling its cars there was like one yeah you know, no was, and, and they went yeah. out and built 
built that other infrastructure and they told you you had to live in the suburbs and you couldn't live in Stockholm and you had to, of course, be a rich guy or whatever and so on yeah. and have uh, four other cars to use because you knew you could only go 12 feet outside your house and then hurry back or whatever. No, I mean, yeah. seriously, no, nobody yeah. only owned a Tesla, you know, three years ago. No. Okay. No. Okay. Now some people are beginning to only own a Tesla because because they put out the, the stuff out there so you could go out there and uh, talk sure. to me. Yeah, I agree. I totally yeah, agree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so it's I would tough. I, would, it's I, tough. Would, would we buy a hydrogen? Would we buy a Toyota hydrogen car today? Probably not. Um, would I buy a battery electric vehicle? Absolutely not. Would I buy a hybrid? You know, Rav four hybrid tomorrow if 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 i needed to buy a car tomorrow i'd buy a, a buy a hybrid i would not buy a plug-in hybrid it's like the most ridiculous thing i can think of i got to plug it in and i have to fill it up I and mean, what's what's the deal with that and if i run out of electricity i'm spending i've got a, an engine that's not very it, it does it burns more fuel than it should and, and it makes more emissions so that hybrid absolutely it doesn't have you go fast <laughs> I know. I know you want to go fast, yeah. Michael. I don't want to go Great, fast. great discussion. We could talk about this for about uh, a month or, or more. So. Well, we want to <laughs> actually. We want to. We'll be back with more, but first, we want to remind you about our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF symbol MOTO. To get more info, head to MOTOETF.com. On the website, it's a good idea to read the white paper there. It's called The Smart Transportation Revolution. Look for it under the Insights and News tab. You find some good information there to help you make informed decisions about investing. ETFs, you may know, maybe are a smart way to spread your risk with investments and focus on a particular category. The site, again, is MOTOETF.com. Turning back to you, Michael, the, uh, you've written so much about uh, electric vehicles and what's going on with China, the potential for flooding the market. Tell us what the, the, the latest is on that front. Oh, I think there's an endless number of cars that, are, that will be coming out of China. The latest uh, Xpeng, which is Guangzhou Xiaopeng Motors Technology Company Limited, uh, its official name is Xpeng. It's also known as when it wants to cover lots of, but it can use part of, part of the name. It just went into the, um, uh, an IPO. It had, uh, had wanted to raise about a billion US dollars and it ended up raising 2 billion with the IPO. Um, it has a stock value which is 11 to 13. They went out, it was priced at between 11 and 13. Uh, the share price went up dramatically and it, it, they raised twice as much money. Who's buying this? This is a, this is a car that is, it's new. It's, it's an electric car. Uh, the main difference that I could see with it is that this particular car company decided it wants to be very much like Tesla in every way, including borrowing some of, potentially borrowing some of the technology Tesla has suited for for taking some of its autopilot technology along with one of the one of its engineers that it hired from from Tesla. Um, 
this is not going to be the the end of the <laughs> end of the road. There's another company. This one's not electric. Uh, it's a it's a company called Too Simple, uh, which has is in the process of doing exactly the same thing, going into the U.S. market, getting lots of money, um, in doing an IPO, and suddenly these these companies are are in the business and they will be selling cars in the United States in a very short while. So I think we can look to, I, I mentioned it in the, the last issue, the three or four other companies that are, that are in a, a similar stage of, of uh, coming into the market, getting money um, and financing growth um, to build more cars and not necessarily the cars themselves, in this case they are, but to build the, the infrastructure to be able to deliver cars, the skateboard, as I said. So the danger here, in if you take a look at the worldwide market, is China dominating? Um, well, it, it's dominating its own market. Yes, I mean the, the the fact that that suddenly you've got car companies that have just sprung up from nothing. They're a couple of years old. They've gotten lots of money internally to be able to finance their operations. Now they've come into the U.S the U.S. stock market to generate more funds to be able to finance growth. So we're going to start seeing, like, you know, I think the only car company that really, that showed up that's of any any size was was uh, since the 50s or 60s, Hyundai and Kia. And not very much has happened since then, but now we've got, there's, there are at least a dozen car companies in China which are ready to enter the European and the U.S. markets uh, in markets that are pretty much saturated. I mean, we don't we don't really need more more cars. We also don't need more new electric cars. All all of the car companies are making electric cars: Volkswagen, Audi, uh, Volvo, um, even Ford and and uh, General Motors. But we're going to have a flood of, of cars coming into the market from China, from startups. Um, and I, I, don't, I don't exactly know what, what that's going to mean. It, it, can't, it can't be good for the, the existing OEMs. And I'm not necessarily sure that it's good for the, for the consumers. So you, th these are birds? Like the skateboard? Yeah, yeah. They're gonna, they're, they're gonna skate ooh, in. They're this gonna... is like maybe with the the movie Bird. We should, you know, <laughs> ooh. Yeah. Alan, well, in in the let, we'll move on in the, in the smart driving car newsletter. Alan, you're you're leading off with a House committee's final report on the design, development, and certification of the Boeing seven thirty seven Max. Looks like plenty of blame to go around, including with the with the FAA. Yeah, it does. And in a sense, the reason why I put it out there is in some sense, you know, with the with driverless cars, at some point, we really have to deal with safety. And I think here's an industry that that's centered on safety. And one has to look at what they are going through, what they've done, where they're going and all that to, to sort of make sure that uh, one learns from that as to how to deal with the with the safety issue with driverless cars. Again, the, the key on driverless, unfortunately or fortunately, is the removal of the driver. One, because, well, for the main reason, you can't afford them. Not at scale. You can, sure, you can have show, 
you can have taxi service, you can have limousine service, you can have a chauffeur, you can be Downton Abbey with your chauffeur, but that's only for, you know, either somebody else is paying for it or you're rich, okay, for, for providing mobility to those who really can't provide it for themselves. Uh, then, in fact, to try to make it affordable, you can't afford to, to pay the person, unfortunately. So, therefore, the removal of that really then brings a safety issue front and center. And these things, you know, can't go out and be causing chaos out there. Cause enough chaos when we're in control, when we're supposedly responsible, when we can't stand over them and, and, and do things. Once we remove ourselves from that and it's, you know, somebody's AI from too simple or something like that, da 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 and they're not, they're nowhere, you can't go, go grab them by the throat and shake them and say, hey, you know, you're responsible here, and say, uh, don't look at me, or whatever, or how, how is that whole thing going to play out? So in a sense, given that we've had such an, uh, an intense investigation associated with some unfortunate circumstances that happened with the 737. I just think it's worth anybody that's interested in this topic to make sure that, um, you know, we pay attention here. This week, and I'm not sure we saw this coming, an Arizona grand jury indicted Rafaela Vasquez, a former safety driver in Uber's self-driving car project, for the 2018 death of Elaine Herzberg, the pedestrian. She's being charged with negligent homicide. Well, okay, uh, fine. I, you know, I guess I put in there, you know, uh, grand juries, as has been said, can uh, indict a ham sandwich. So, okay, they indicted a ham sandwich here. Um, uh, to, 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 put, to put the burden on that person in that car uh, for that death is, I, I think, a little bit unfair. Why? Because, in fact, uh, there was supposed to be in that vehicle a system that, in fact, was able to drive that thing. And, and if, that, if that entity had been, that system had been working perfectly fine, and Elaine Herzberg got killed, then maybe we could then look to the, to the person that was overseeing it. Um, and that might be justified, at least in, in, in my um, view. Uh, but given that, that the fundamentally the system that was in that car and the way that it was being operated and then the situation that it was put in by the operator, uh, if one's going to indict this ham sandwich, there's a, there are a bunch of other ham sandwiches that also should be indicted. Okay, first of all, why in the heck was the car out there driving over 40 miles an hour when in fact at 40 miles an hour, the automated emergency braking system was automatically turned off? Seems to me you should have an operational uh, uh, design domain that says do not go over 40 miles an hour. And this isn't a speed limit sign that the government puts out there. This is a design in the code, damn it. And that should be in there, first of all. Second of all, the system saw her six seconds before it hit her. Okay, but somewhere in that code, there's a line of code, whether 
explicitly or implicitly, you know, says if there is an object that is not moving towards you or away from you in the road, in the lane ahead, uh, disregard it because it disregarded it. Didn't just disregard it, the AI in there didn't, uh, uh, I think I'll disregard it. It's boom, it's in the code, disregard it. And so whoever wrote that code, that's a ham sandwich here. And so, you know, one has to, one has to look at that. So very unfortunate. Hopefully we've learned a heck of a lot out of it. Our, uh, our, uh, our discussions uh, with uh, Nat um, uh, uh, Busey um, a couple of um, podcasts ago, I think gives us, gives us uh, uh, some, some confidence that in fact, you know, Uber is in there really, you know, focused on making sure they don't have these kinds of things in there. Um, but anyway, that's my reaction for whatever it's worth or not worth. I guess we'll see what happens with the trial and probably the fact that there, or I think it's a fact that she was watching the driver, the safety drivers watching a TV show and uh, caught doing that. that, that, that that's that, just that, bull. That's being that's made just, so much out that, of. Yeah. It's being made some, but that's bull. Okay. Come on. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how many pilots, uh, you know, that are flying planes watch. I, of course they don't. I mean, uh, but my goodness, um, um, the system. What you're saying that, is if you're blaming her, there's a lot of other people who can be blamed. Absolutely. If you're going to blame her at her level, then there, and, and I'll call that a ham sandwich. There are a lot of other ham sandwiches out there that you should also be indicting and taking a look at. And in fact, they may, may have double the meat or something on them or whatever on them than, than this one. My view, I, it's, it's it's somewhat of a cheap shot, you know. This person is out there trying to work, you know, out there. You thinking that the system is working, you know, well within its 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 design domain, but it's not. And, and my hey, I'm distant from it. I'll put my academic hat and be able to you know to say all this stuff. But that's that's my view from from you know, being from outside of the system. Michael? Yeah, I, I, haven't, I haven't read the judgment, but I, I think, I mean, if, if, this, if this holds, it's an enormous miscarriage of justice. That, that woman should never have been, able, been put in that position, ever. Not because of who she is, just that anyone should never have been put in a position of being in control of a car and, and that, that was her responsibility or anybody who's was in that car sitting behind the driver the, the steering wheel being put in control of the car that she's been told has this functionality and she's been told that she's supposed to do this and test this and something happens how she could be blamed for that is just beyond my ken i have absolutely no understanding of how any jury could could possibly blame her for being in a car that was put in, put under her control and given to her by a company that says this is this is what it, this car is going to do. I mean, at, at a minimum, Uber should be charged. The company who who provided this should be charged. And if you want to go further than that, then you can you can look at the, the manufacturer of the car. But apparently, the manufacturer's systems were disengaged. So Uber is the only 
the only person who should be charged in this case, not the, not that that the driver who is, I won't say she's innocent, I won't say that she, she's beyond culpability, but she she was doing what she was told to do. She was, you know, she was driving a car that she was told was capable of driving itself, and and she she acted like the car was capable of driving itself. Yeah, and l- let me jump in on this this too, and we 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 I think it deserves a little bit of our time on this. She was put in in that situation with an expectation. I'm 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 almost certain that that the systems really work pretty well. Her experience mm-hmm. in using the thing probably told her that the darn thing works pretty well. The the difficulty may be that uh, that of course she didn't quite realize that it was operating out of its design domain, that the systems that might have worked well within the design domain all of a sudden get turned off. She probably didn't realize it. In fact, if there's a stationary object in the lane ahead, the code actually says disregarded. Why? Because it expects it to be an overhead um, a bridge or, or an overhead sign or an overhead tree and so on. It's nothing that you could possibly hit. It's dark. There's no crosswalk. The mapping data doesn't even tell you to accept anything yet, which is the reason why you can't rely on damn mapping data ever. Uh, I don't care whatever. You can use it as a help, but you can't rely on it because it doesn't necessarily. Somebody could be crossing a road where there's not a crosswalk. Uh, yes, okay, they're they're jaywalking, but you know it's no reason to kill them, uh, and, you know, and all these things. Plus, the other point that I want to make on this: she was behaving in this car as if it was the SAE Level Three type car. Okay. And darn it, that's why I hate the SAE levels, and I certainly hate the SAE level threes, and why the SAE level threes will never come to market, I believe. Why? Because now the person thinks that the system works, they can then launch them, whatever. And in fact, Uber, the system needs to be responsible there. Okay, and unless they accept the responsibility, okay, Uber, whenever this, whenever she was indicted, Uber should have jumped up. No, 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 we're responsible. We, we're the ones that, that put the system in there. We, we, we're, we thought it was going to work. Look, this person was just, you know, that's, that's what level three would have to become to be able to sell it to you sure. or to me. Sure. Say that I can fall asleep in my Volvo as it's going down the road. Who's responsible then? Volvo. Are they going to ever accept that responsibility? I claim no. They can't. Well, it's a car that I own that I supposedly maintain that I and so on. What? They'll never. That's why. That's why that whole concept. Is is false until you, you the provider of that of that level of service is is able and willing to stand behind it and say if something happens, it's me indict me, I'm mm-hmm. the one responsible. I will pay. I will do it until they're ready to do that. There is no market, zero market. Quote me. I mean, yeah. whatever. I'll put my. 
for that. So let's even stop talking about it. I think I have in, in this issue, you know, somebody else, oh, Daimler is ready for level three. As soon as Daimler says, when you then turn this thing on and it lets you go to sleep or watch Hulu or be like this driver and you and the thing hits in the Lane Herzberg, not suggesting, and kills her, mm-hmm. Daimler, ha, we're the ones, we're responsible, indict me. Yeah, Tesla, Tesla says exactly the opposite. It says you are responsible. You need to, to keep your hands on the wheel. You there was a case uh, this week uh, yeah. where yes. in, in Canada, a, a Tesla a police pulled over a, a Tesla. The two front seats were fully reclined and supposedly yep. the, the occupants were asleep and uh, the driver has received a dangerous driving charge and a summons. The driver is responsible, and Tesla has to say that. And until Elon says, until Elon says differently, then he doesn't have driverless cars. He can't make a. This is a fully whatever da da d that he's making about it. Uh, yeah. th- this is not level three in okay. any sense of the imagination. Who's who's responsible if a SpaceX rocket goes up with two astronauts and it blows up? Is it the astronauts? <laughs> no, I mean they would never be indicted, would they? I mean, same, same thing. You know, same I, thing. Absolutely, and and when they put those things up, I guess SpaceX is sitting there, or you know, they probably have some backing with NASA, and they, you know, whatever, and they have the government, you know, sort of covering their butts, which you absolutely need. I mean. <laughs> And one should have compassion in this situation, okay? One needs it because because nothing is perfect. And again, if if these things have to be perfect, hell, I'm out of here. I'm playing golf. You know, we're not doing these things anymore, Michael. I'm sorry. I'm I'm the hell with it. I mean, you know, life's a risk, as we know. You know, there are trade-offs. And, and I think one of the good things that's even a New York Times article yesterday, you know, saying – Europe is finally deciding, hey, maybe we need to live with the virus as opposed to think that we can actually eradicate it. Because, you know, taking it to zero, you know, is, I mean, yeah, maybe in somebody's imagination, certainly not mine. But anyway, these these are tough questions. But I just wanted to to (laughs) make some stands here. I guess a lot of people disagree with us, but that's good. I mean, hey, I don't know going on we'll move on in the newsletter here yeah. alan um nvidia is making a 40 billion dollar acquisition just had danny shapiro on with us not long ago uh, yeah chip, they're buying arm the chip maker yeah i mean you know might as well have the, the one end of the distribution of the high-end computing and the low end of the distribution and the you know cheap and whatever and, and everything and i don't know uh, go for it. Why not? I mean, I guess SoftBank needs the money <laughs> and to spend it on something else. I'm whatever. Transport Topics had a, had a report that reads Daimler and Torque Robotics see the path to autonomous trucking as a marathon. And that uh, you say in the newsletter is, is good news that they're saying. No, it's that good one. news because I think that what they mean by the marathon is, is that really they're going to focus on safety and really providing support to the driver and driver assistance things with respect to the long haul trucking, as opposed to taking the driver out of there and thinking they can do it driverlessly. I mean, I've, 
to me that that's been that's been the missing comment even with the with the the platooning things which which i think were were sort of fine the focus was was on aerodynamics and saving you know one or two percent on or eight percent on fuel the value of the automation is to help the driver at least for the next whatever to to make that job somewhat a a livable job uh, to to help those guys and gals who are out there driving these things. They're all professionals. They're all good. But my goodness, they do this eight and 10 hours a day, every day to feed their families. And damn it, you know, that they could use some help and, and the technology should be focused on helping them rather than displacing them. And let's help them first make that a, a much better occupation. That takes care of the driver shortage because then more people will want to do it because why don't people want to do it after you do it for a while? Who knows what you do to your body to be able to stay alert and stay and do that for the number of hours that you have to do that to be able to put food on your table. I mean, come on. And in a sense, and, and there's just not been the fundamental focus on that. The focus was, hey, fuel economy or my goodness, uh, taking the, driver the heck out of there and somehow envisioning all these trucks with nobody in them driving around i mean hey when i'm on the pennsylvania turnpike and one of these things passes me or i pass it i'm gonna go whoa Uh, i mean i'm i I don't know what i'm gonna do even me or something michael thoughts no i I totally yes i totally agree that the the purpose of of advanced driver assistance systems and more driver assistance, automated assistance is to help the drivers do things that they need to do. And it's, it, it's, it's a grueling job and it's, it's not, it, it also takes an enormous amount of stamina. Um, what we're seeing now, and we, we just had something on the, on the, one of our news channels, the, uh, the number of drivers that, that are, are looking at their, um, their phones and surf, not necessarily surfing. They're probably doing their work. They're probably, you know, looking for the next assignment and, and checking the, checking the, not, they've got a navigation system, but, but checking the orders and, and doing things that they need to do, but they're sitting there and they're looking at their phone. They've got the phone in their hand and they're, and they're driving a, you know, this 18 wheeler that that's at, at speed, whether it's on the highway or driving through towns, those kinds of things, can't happen. I mean, they, they shouldn't be allowed to do that. And they're not. There's, there are laws against it. But it's very difficult to, to enforce those kinds of laws. So if people can have assisted driving to be able to do more of the, of the work that they need to do, that's great. And to me, that's the that should be the focus of this. This isn't, sure. oh, my goodness, this isn't academically rewarding because it doesn't go all the way. I mean, this is fundamentally valuable and for the trucking companies this has fundamental return on investment and 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 the ceos can get behind it why one is is most of them are are self-insured and what that stuff can do is it can at least uh, reduce the 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 expected liability of trucks by 50 percent you do that that that's money in the pocket of the CEO that remains there because otherwise they got to reach down in there. So therefore the head guy or gal in the company wants to do that. Secondly, it helps keep these people alive. My goodness, these people are employees of your company. 
every CEO is interested in, in the quality of life of their employees, or at least most of them. They're not out there trying to beat the, the hell out of them. And, it's, and this provides that kind, of, that kind of, of, of fundamental improvement in their quality of life. And so just those two things are enough money on the table if only the industry was focused on delivering those things and, sell, and, and selling that. And I don't think it has been in, in the long haul trucking. It's been this, oh my goodness, let's go A to B without any driver and set up some sort of hubs at, 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 the, at the intersections of, of interstate so that we can run these things back full. <laughs> Go ahead. Just, just very quickly, I think a lot of what the co the, car, the companies are doing, whether the truck companies or, or car companies, is they're playing they're playing to the investment the investors, and the investors are yeah. just investing in the wrong things right now. They're uh, focusing on the wrong things, and they're forcing companies to do what, what they're doing. I mean, any a, a little company that comes out of nowhere, well, it came out of China, that can raise two. Two billion dollars on the on the stock exchange for for a car that 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 there's no there's nothing in that car that's new there's nothing about that company that's that's new and somebody a group of people that have invested two billion dollars invest in it in a in a better virus protection invest in you know if you want to invest it in China invest it in, in not people not getting sick in 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 their food markets I mean let's let's look at where these investments are going and and it shouldn't be investing in things that maybe 5 10 15 years down down the line could help to do something we're not doing right now as you said invest in safety and the car companies should be focused on that but as long as we've got investors out there saying your stock is going to is going to continue to tank unless you do things that are that are cool that are that you know that that uh, that kids think are are interesting to do we're not going to get that and i think that's that's a problem for our industry well we've got one more from the newsletter alan uh, a report in inverse headlined a next gen safety algorithm maybe the future of self driving cars I don't know. I mean, I don't think so. First of all, it sort of implies that you're going to go to the cloud and figure out what route you, you should take or how to avoid a crash ahead. The, the, the history says the time delay associated with going to the cloud, coming back, I, I, non-starter non in scale. Non, I, I mean, I don't know. It's nice. It's a nice academic paper that will get somebody a, a degree. Or I mean, and, and this... Uh, Never, I don't know. I made some comments. I, well, I'm not. <laughs> never mind. Speaking of academic papers, uh, the the Smart Driving Car Summit at Princeton. We're still hoping to have that virtually this year, and I guess we're telling people to keep an eye on uh, SmartDrivingCar.com for details. As yeah, we're still trying to do it. We're pro it will probably slip from October to December. I mean, you know, October is quickly upon us. Um, um, we do. I still would like like to be able to pull it off to at least get us all together talking and uh, just uh, catching up with each other. And I think that that's um, that's what I'd like to see see done. And still trying to do it. Uh, the October date is is of course likely to slip. Um, the the first week in December seems to me to be a good time to do things. Hopefully, um, uh, you know, we're by Thanksgiving and. Uh, and um, and needing something before Christmas just to 
deal with this. It's going to be on Zoom. We're not going to be able to get together. Uh, you know, we may not be able to get together next May either. You know, as ugly as well, it is. I mean, uh, you know, I, mean, I think we should just we should just um, we should decide to live with it, wear our masks, make sure we do all that stuff, and and stay safe. Um, and um, and then maybe by next summer, you know, people will have stuff. And I think that uh, that's where we are. We'll keep our hopes up. Michael, it's been really great having you with us uh, once again. Thank you for all of your, all of your knowledge and sharing it. My pleasure. <laughs> we love it's having fun. you. It, 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 fun. Look, we, yes, it is. It's very serious. Uh, it's very serious, but I think, um, um, it is fun and um, it's not easy uh, and we don't necessarily know the answer if we knew it it'd be a boring world I mean no uncertainty out there we wouldn't have to turn on a dime and pivot a la coronavirus I mean oh my although with all this I think we should all be enormously I think thankful that we do have the technology that we have that yeah. we've made it through here uh, to me the the thing that that is besides all the healthcare pieces uh, the logistics industry has been I think marvelous on on this one I mean the fact that the store shelves haven't dried up Amazon hasn't dried up uh, uh, Walmart uh, online hasn't dried up. Uh, at least I haven't seen it dry up. Uh, maybe in some pockets, there's certainly a lot of folks that that, that it's been really tough. But my goodness, uh, somehow it hasn't completely uh, 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 fallen down. And, uh, and and the internet and Zoom and the companies like it that, that enable this kind of communication have certainly made this a little bit more bearable. Whoever created the bandwidth here, I mean, if you remember not so long ago, the you know, uh, Victoria's Secrets would put on a you know a, a show and the, you know it'd bring the whole damn thing down. I think uh, you know. And, Gosh, and, I miss those. You miss those. I mean, they, they were sort of classic, I guess, 15 years ago or something uh -huh. like that, that they mm. put out their, their whatever annual show and everybody and the whole thing would come down. The the number, I don't, I don't know how all the school children are doing, you know, still had meant so many of them still at home doing this. And people knows, working from many, home at the same and time. And working from home yep. and how many siblings and so on. I mean, I, I know there, there are glitches and, and whatever, and I know we complain about them, but my goodness, it could be just a whole heck of a lot worse yeah, could be. on that piece. And then, yes, you know, and this is with the, you know, the billions of people that are on, that, that are doing this simultaneously there have been hundreds of thousands that have died, but, but this, this is billions that, that are doing this. Uh, so um, anyway, whatever. We want to thank our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF. The ticker symbol for the ETF is MOTO, and more information is available at MOTOETF.com. You can find us at smartdrivingcar.com. 
Also on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, SoundCloud, now Amazon Music too. Oh. You, you can ask your smart speaker to play us. You can find my tech reports at textonation.com. I'm Fred Fishkin along with Alan Kornhauser. Thanks for listening or watching, and please stay safe. And anyway, thank you for being there. And I guess, uh, Michael, do you want to put up your shirt that says, uh, I'm a train, uh, whatever? I collect model trains. I guess everybody can see, uh, you know, some of my collection up here next to my head, whatever. I- <laughs> I still play with trains. I still play with trains anyway. Uh, okay. Whatever.